the wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Hello and welcome to The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is Season 2, Episode 13, Flicker, Flicker, Flicker on Steroids. Hello everyone, that's right, once again it is time for those two nerdy guys that you like so much to talk about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. Glad that you're with us for this week's episode. My name is Justin, and here with me, as always, my good buddy Stephen. Stephen, how are you doing this week? I am doing great. I am ready to get into this, and I am happy to be here. Man, it is uh, good to hear you say that. I know you've had a, a busy week, had a lot of things going on, but uh, let me tell you, I, I'm... Uh, recently been trying to get back into the gym uh back uh back before the world came to an end uh you know i was going to the gym like every day i was losing weight i was feeling a lot better and then uh that just kind of threw everything into a wrench and for two years i've been trying to get back to it well i'm I'm getting there but my body is so mad at me right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, every time I move, it's like something hurts, which, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a little bit older than I used to be. So, um, uh, having that experience too, but, uh, you know what? It's okay. Cause I know it's going to be, um, I know it's going to be for the best. So, yeah, yeah uh, it's always but, good. You know, you got, got to have those goals for yourself. Yeah. But if you hear me like any grunting or, or groaning, it's probably because I moved just the wrong way and my body said, nope. Don't do that. <laughs> yep. Anyway, um, we're not here to talk about uh, going to the gym or anything like that. We're here to talk about the second book of Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. We're talking about The Great Hunt. And in this episode, we're discussing chapters 37 through 39. And so, listeners, if you haven't read those chapters yet, uh, go ahead and do that. And then come back and uh, we'll discuss those three chapters and see what's happening uh, in this part of the story. So, shall we go ahead and dive into chapter 37, What Might Be? Sure. All right. Rand somewhat reluctantly uses a portal stone, intending to get him and his companions to Toman Head as quickly as possible. Something strange happens, though, and they all began flickering through various alternate realities. Each one is seemingly with certain constants that do not change. Touching down in Toman Head, Varen realizes that it is already late autumn, meaning that around four months have passed since they gathered around the portal stone near Steading Sofu. Alright, where do you want to go first? Um, I guess we should probably touch on at first, uh, you know, the fact that Rand, even though he has Varen here, is still the one who's going to have to be doing the channeling because 
despite all that she knows, this is something that's kind of out of the depth for Varen here. Yeah. You know, she has an academic idea of the stones in general, but no idea how to use one. I did like that moment where Rand got hopeful that he wouldn't have to channel. Um, yeah. But at the same time, and, and I think this is going to come up again, you know, there's also uh, maybe a little bit of disappointment because there's a part of him that wants to channel. Uh, we talked yep. about that. We talked about that last week that there is, um, for lack of a better word, it's a little bit of an addiction that that's happening. There's yeah. the desire, but also the knowledge of the danger as well. And I think that's going to come up later. Uh, one thing I did, um, I, I made a note of, I didn't put it in our notes, was uh, Ingtar throughout all of this, still insistent that um, if they return to Kyrian, he can make Barthanus talk. Um, yeah. I don't know how well that's going to work, because uh, uh, last we yeah. heard of Barthanus, his uh, head was on top of his mantle. Anyway, um, this is a really interesting uh, interesting chapter. There's some weird things that go on here, and I'm guessing it has a lot to do with these worlds that may be or, or could be or might have been or whatever the way of talking about it is. Yeah. So, uh, worlds that might have been, uh, the worlds of basically if, um, let's see... Basically, yeah, there. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Yeah, going basically, there there worlds where small things changed, and it completely, you know, reroutes the course of someone's life. Pretty much, re-sews their thread into the pattern in a different way. Although, and and we'll, uh, I think it's worth mentioning this. Although it seems there were certain things that were constant in yeah. in them as well. And, and I think Perrin hints at that at the end. We'll, we'll mention that, I think, uh, a little bit later. But uh, maybe, maybe we should just talk briefly, because I know there's a lot of detail um, of the things that Rand sees as they're flickering through these, uh, these different scenarios. Um, so... Yeah. Um, I mean, was there anything in particular that kind of stood out to you throughout? Because he lives, he basically gets glimpses into several different lives. Yeah, and and each one is slightly different, but also it seems that there are some some constants as well. Um, just real, just real quick, I'm gonna, I'm going to do a quick rundown of that. We we get a glimpse really of three that we get some details about, right? Sure. Uh, in the first one, it's pretty straightforward and simple. Uh, he gets killed in the Trolloc raid on Winter Night. Um, yeah. The second one, he apparently Winter Night doesn't happen. He gets married to Egwene. They have this nice little life in Emmons Field. She becomes the Wisdom. Um, he's got some stuff going on. These these moods that he's prone to, but she's able to help him. But when she dies. Uh, he just kind of falls apart, sometimes literally, uh, until a Trolloc raid comes towards the Two Rivers and he goes out to fight with the people of the Two Rivers, kind of like Manetherin way back in the day. 
And, yeah, it's very Minethrin-esque. Yeah, and, and he's killed there by a trollic. Uh, the third one, um, Egwene dies before they're married. Uh, Rand goes off to join the army of Ilion, but gets so robbed. One... Uh, hold, let, me, let, me, one... let me get through okay, this. Sorry. Um, he gets robbed in Berlon, makes his way to Camelon, becomes part of the Queen's Guard, and um, eventually fights against the Shan Chan, uh, but gets beaten back to Camelon and is killed there. Uh, so what did I miss? Uh, though, again, I'm just trying to hit the highlights. Yeah, um, I was just uh, going to draw our attention to a certain couple of points as we were going through each one. Okay. Uh, so, you know, there's not a whole lot to talk about in the first one, obviously, with right. uh, with everything there. It's pretty simple. He just he gets run through before he ever gets a chance to do anything on winter night. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, the the second one, you know, we talked about it's very Manetheran-esque, um, but it's also uh, probably the longest of them, um, possibly the last one, but for the most part, uh, he almost lives his entire life. Sure. You know, he, you know, him and Egwene, if I remember correctly, they even have children. They, they do, it's mentioned, it's mentioned about yeah. uh, Tam enjoying his grandchildren. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, it, it's very much, that seems to be the happiest outcome of them, but even yeah. that one ends pretty pretty miserably. I mean, after Egwene is gone, he basically becomes the reclusive hermit as the, the taint slowly drives him more and more mad and starts, to, like, that's the other side of the taint that we haven't really touched too much on, is the wasting sickness. Yeah. Uh, Basically, your body begins to rot while you're still alive, um, and so over time, he that is something he succumbs to more and more until he finally meets his end fighting the Trollocs. Yeah, uh, and never consciously channeling in that life, because even at the end when he's fighting the Trollocs, he's using the void and his bow and arrow, but he's not channeling. So I think that's an interesting point. There is then that life he never consciously realizes that he can use the power. So does that um, does that squash Rand's theory that if he doesn't use the power, he won't go mad? I think that pretty soundly squashes that for him. Hmm. Uh, I think there's a lot in these different visions that he's seeing that are really going to alter the how he makes choices going forward. Okay, uh, because he's seeing, and especially towards the very end there, where he just starts fast flickering through things. Yeah, uh, he's seeing tons of different options and they all play out in the same way. It's, yeah, it's, they all, it's seeing the inevitability of things for they, him. They all, they all end up in pretty much the same place. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, you know, I was actually thinking about that. That's something that as someone who has not finished the series uh, reading through here this time, I'm I'm actually really worried about Rand. <laughs> um, I I feel like this could be some foreshadowing. You know, this could be some foreshadowing that you know the the main character, if you will, the hero, the Luke Skywalker, uh, the Harry Potter of this story, 
does not survive at the end. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm making a note of that and I'm, and you know what, that's, that's fine because there's some reality in that the hero doesn't always live. Right. Um, and who knows if Randall actually still be the hero at the end. I don't know. <laughs> but yep, um, not far enough in yet. Yeah, but I, I, I definitely am worried about his future. Um, what are some some things that stood out to you about the third vision? Anything? You uh, wanna, so there's you one mention? big one in the third one. Yeah, uh, there's not really a lot in that one because it it pretty much. Well, yeah, there there's a good bit in that one. So what causes things to diverge and uh, differ completely from uh, the second and third visions is the death of Egwene. Right. And the way the death of Egwene here is explained, there's only one thing that could have caused it. It is exactly the thing that Moraine warned her about and Nynaeve about. She basically didn't, in this life, Egwene started to be able to channel, but she didn't have anybody to teach her. And so she succumbed to the channeling, and it killed her. Yeah. I, I definitely picked up on that. Yeah. And so that is what completely alters this path and sends Rand over to uh, to Camelin. But right. not before, uh, you know, stopping in Berylon to get robbed, but also <laughs> to be scared away by men. Yeah, I did find that kind of interesting, that he does meet her in that scenario. And yeah. I'm... My, my my guess was that it just her um you know her visions are are what scared him away for sure yeah saying I would imagine so that, saying some things that uh, definitely alarmed him so yeah because in this scenario he would have been there all by himself so he's not she's not seeing visions of all of his friends and things so he knows that it's something that's going on with everybody it's she's just telling him just oh him. I see this and this and this about you yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, and he almost ran, he practically tried to run from her last time anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he did. Uh, um, so, but then of course, you know, we get to Camelin and this is another point where it deflects and changes is because in this one, as opposed to the second one, he realizes he can channel. Right. And comes to some rough measure of control with it. Yeah. Uh, to the point where he's able to use it every now and then to sway things in his favor uh basically to become good at battle and fighting by using the power in ways that people won't pick up on uh to turn the chide of battle and he's pretty successful in doing this up until uh the end where they're fighting the sean chan and he takes out tons of them with lightning but then a a sean chan channeler takes him out yeah I, you know, I was I was kind of wondering about that. Was you know, was he taken out by somebody else, or did he just like did it get out of his control and he take himself out? I assumed as much because it was the the Sean Chan that that he was fighting, uh, and yeah. we know that they do have channelers. But uh, I, I think there was a little ambiguity there that it could have been his own lightning bolt. Um. I don't know. I'm just I'm just speculating there. I, I definitely thought it could be read either way. Um, yeah. So and then you know we end with you know things just kind of suddenly like 
kick into high gear. <laughs> yeah, it's like and, flicker, flicker, flicker on steroids. Yep. Uh, so, you know, we get this part. You know, he was a soldier. He was a shepherd. He was a beggar and a king. A farmer, gleeman, sailor, sailor, carpenter. Basically, he's living all of these lives uh, and seeing all of these different things. Um, and I was just going to draw out a couple of just sl real quick little tidbits that come out of that. Um, you know, there's one where he, uh, proclaims himself the dragon and, uh, there's ones where he ran from the power and hid Yeah, and it always ends the same. Always ended the same way. I'm, I'm really worried about Rand. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to end well for he, for him. Yeah, and it's also interesting. Uh, I made a note of this, um, and I don't think uh, when you know we're going through it, he talks about the women he had loved. He, you know, he married Egwene. He loved Egwene. He loved other women. He married other women, Elaine, yeah. and men. <laughs> and a fair-haired hmm. farmer's daughter met on the road to Camelot. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm pretty sure that's L's. Uh, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, you know, we didn't expect interest. We didn't expect to see her show up in the tower either. So, yeah, uh, who knows what could happen? Yeah, but it's interesting that in some of these lives, he marries the daughter heir of Andor, sure, and men of yeah. all people too. Yeah. Uh, so, but then we do have the one huge connecting point between all of these lives. Yes. Which is, I have won again, lose Theron. Every yeah. time he dies in all of those lives, he hears that voice. Yeah, I, I thought it interesting that even even in the first one, uh, <laughs> he, he, he heard that when he was killed by the Trollocs on Winter Night. But yeah, all three, or all of them are tied together with, with that, uh, with that warning or, or that, that, Claim of victory, I guess it was. Whoever, whoever this is, um, which I don't know. Uh, my my immediate thought would be that it's the dark one, but uh, who knows, right? Yeah, yeah, it could very well be Beelzebub. Uh, you know, it's interesting, and this is something I think maybe Rand takes away with some reflection at some point. But it's definitely something I take away from it. So this voice that says, I have won again, Luz Theron, that voice isn't just in the lives where things go wrong and he dies on the battlefield or the shadow beats him or this and that. It's this is every time every, he dies. Every one of them. Uh, because there's not a single one of these lives that we see where Rand does what he's supposed to do. Okay. At least as far as we're told. Now, we can't rule out that maybe one of the little ones at the end has that. But there's not a single one of these visions where Rand fulfills his role as the Dragon Reborn. Yeah, that just sparked something in, in my memory that wasn't there, uh, at least in two of them that we saw, wasn't there something of him thinking to himself, this wasn't how it was supposed to be? Or that it didn't seem right, or didn't seem like it was what was supposed to happen. I don't know. No, it bas basically, I think the only thing that really gets to that point is the fact that, uh, you know, it says 
a hundred lives more, so many that he could not count them, and at the end of every life as he lay dying, he drew his final breath, and a voice whispered in his ear, I have won again, Luce Theron. So he doesn't, you know, hundreds of lives and not a single one of them does he feel like he succeeded. Okay. That's the only real point. I didn't see anything where he necessarily thought that it didn't feel right. Not as far as I can see. Uh, there's something in the in the third one about how, um, where, where I just had it. Um, sometimes he found himself looking at the daughter heir, Elaine, and at such times he was filled with odd thoughts that this was not the way things were supposed to be, and there should be something more to his life. I, I still, I thought that there was, I felt like there was something in that second one as well that was kind of along those lines. Yeah, uh, Rand was happy after he married Egwene and tried to not let the moods take him, the times when he thought there should have been something more, something different. So there is that that thread of him feeling like there was something uh, more to be gained or something that he was missing in life in these other scenarios, but, uh, which that does, that does bring up an interesting point there that I want to just plant the seed of real quick. So those two specifically are also two of the visions where we see the taint affecting him most strongly. Yeah. The madness affecting him the most. And it's interesting to me uh, and maybe this is just a, an aside and doesn't mean anything, but it seems to me that the times where he becomes almost a little bit self-aware are the times when he is struggling the most with the madness. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like would struggle. Maybe, I would struggle in making that point though, because we're not really giving any details in any of the other ones. True. Uh, and and with the first one, That's we just a thought really didn't have me. time. I, I don't know. I, th- I don't know if I would read that into it, um, but. Uh, Something to think about, I, I suppose. We really, we really need to get moving, though. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We have spent quite a lot of time, and there's just so much to dig into here. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, we should. Let, let's let's talk real briefly about what the others may have seen. Uh, yeah. I think some of them, it's kind of obvious. For for instance, I mentioned Perrin earlier, and how he mentions, you know, something to the effect of things. Some things never change, and you know. I took that to mean that in every single one of the visions that he saw, he was still a wolf brother. Correct. And, you know, we have that scene with him almost crawling his own eyes out here. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely that's something that he's seeing. Matt, I think uh, obvi- it's obvious that there was at least one scenario where he betrayed Rand. So... I think, and this is a point, I know we've got to speed along, but this is a point I wanted to make with Matt. I think that what Matt is seeing, because this is another thing, with these lives, these are the worlds that might have been based on where they are right now in the pattern. Yeah. The choices and things that have influenced them so far and splitting off and branching. So it's not choices they'll make later. Matt right now, the choices that his his life and the what-ifs for Matt are going to be heavily influenced by the corruption that is in Matt right now due to the dagger. So in my opinion, the majority of the lives that Matt may have seen are going to be darker. Okay. Are going to be worlds where Matt made decisions that normal Matt would not. 
because they are being influenced by that corruptive force that is now a part of him that the Aes Sedai haven't been able to break and cleanse without the dagger. Okay. All right. That's my opinion. All right. Uh, I guess the only other one we get any kind of real thought about is Ingtar, who basically comes back and is insistent that he walks in the light. Um, yeah. Suggesting there was definitely something he saw that um, shook him to his shook core. him in that way. So uh, here's the real surprise: is four months have passed, or yep. or or about four months. It's what uh, Varen says anyway, and it's now late autumn when they arrive in Tolman Head. So all the time they were trying to save, they lost every bit of it. Yeah. Um, but what other choice did they have? I guess, you know, they, they, uh, couldn't go through the ways and they thought that the portal stones would be a possible shortcut, but we all know what happens when you take shortcuts. Yeah. Now they did achieve, despite the fact that they lost time, they did achieve one part of what at least Rand was trying to accomplish, in that they made it to Toman Head before Matt ran out of time. That okay, that's a good point. So, yeah, because of the time jump, even though it took them this long, it's still not the same as if they had done it over land. Because if they had taken the journey normally, Matt would be dead. Matt, Matt would have died before they got there. Yeah. Yep. So okay, so that was a good thing then. Even though you know, for every. For everybody else, four months have passed. They've done this in in a, in a moment. Yeah. Uh, and and, and it, that's even suggested by the little interspersions of Varen speaking uh, throughout, because she she really only says one sentence, but it's yep. it's broken up <laughs> throughout each one of the visions. So uh, it was very quick for them. But uh, again, in the outside world, four months have passed. It's now late autumn. Um, well, how quick, how quick do you think it actually was? Because they lived, Rand mentions that he feels like he lived hundreds of lives. Uh, do you think they, vis, like he got a vision of these lives? Or do you think in that four month period, Rand literally lived hundreds I almost, of lives? I almost feel like it, like it's kind of a, a dream like thing. You know how you can, you know, like, you can lay down and go to sleep and, you know, you feel like you've spent days or weeks in a dream and you wake up and it's been like 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay. I, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like it's something like that because it, it, it seems it, again, going back to, uh, going back to Varen's sentence, her words. I mean, I, I, I felt like we were made to see it as this all happened, you know, in a moment, in a sense, but then at the same time, they're living all of these lives in that moment. Meanwhile, the world around them keeps moving and goes forward four months uh, yeah. while they're so. Uh, to quote a certain uh, man who likes to ride around in a blue box, it's all wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. <laughs> um. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to try to wrap my head around it anymore. <laughs> Shall we move on to chapter 38? Yes, I believe we should. All right.
Chapter 38, Practice Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine are all feeling the challenges of their training. From the constant desire to draw on the power to the rigors of their lessons and chores. Elaine bursts in, bringing news that King, Gal uh, King Galdrian is dead, confirming one of the rumors that seems to have been swirling around. Finally, Leandrin enters and offers Egwene and Nynaeve the opportunity to help Rand. They will have to leave the tower and go to Tolman Head themselves. She also gives them a warning that the Black Aja walks the halls of the tower. Elaine and men overheard the conversation and decide to come along too, with men revealing that they're all linked in some way and all in some kind of danger. All right, let's just go ahead and get this out <laughs> of the way. Uh, there's some girl talk in this chapter. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right, <laughs> let's just let's just say what what's happening. Apparently, uh, I, okay, we've established this before. Everybody thinks that Galad is really cute, right? Um, I don't even, know if I would say really cute. I would say more like the hottest thing since sliced bread. Uh, sure, even <laughs> even some of the full sisters are going to watch him in the practice yards. So yep. yeah, this guy is certainly uh, you know uh, most attractive man alive apparently, uh, but he apparently is interested in Egwene. Uh, to Els Grinwell's uh, dismay. Dismay. <laughs> <laughs> and yep. I think the other little bit we get here is that uh, Gawain would be interested in men if she weren't wearing boys' clothes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. all right, we talked about that. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we mentioned this before, but we do get this uh the the again the addictive nature of the power because yeah, all this is the go ahead i was gonna say this is the first time we really get it shown in those terms for the female half as well yeah we've had it alluded to for rand but now we see it's not just a sidene thing it's it's the power in general yeah and and all three of our our girls that are in training are experiencing this Nynaeve included um, yeah, they're all like experience trying to find this balance between, you know, practicing drawing on the power, but not drawing on too much. Yeah, um, you know, we even opened the scene with Egwene, you know, forming these colored balls when she's not really supposed to be. She uses this little loophole that technically Nynaeve isn't accepted. And so it's okay, but uh, it, yeah. it, it just it speaks to that nature of being unable to really, you know, stick stay away from it. Yeah. Now, it's, you know, it's basically, it stems from the fact that for these channelers, when they're holding the power, it's like they're really alive, is the way it's based, basically described. Like, everything is heightened. Yeah. Every sense is on top notch, you know. And so, anytime they're not channeling, they feel empty. <laughs> you know, the world is dull. It's boring without the power. Uh, so, it, you know, and that's what leads to it. It's this feeling that you're not really alive unless you're channeling. 
So it, it's interesting. It's almost kind of sad in a lot of ways because while the channelers get to experience that, it also makes it so, in my opinion, they're less happy uh, when they're not in that state hmm. um, as opposed to somebody who's never experienced it. Yeah. You know. Do you think, though, do you think, though, over time they, they kind of learn to, to, to deal with that a little bit better? I mean... For for these women, some people, yeah. For these women, I mean, th- it's it's brand new, right? It, yeah. It's still, I mean, yeah, they've they've been in the tower for a little while, but let's face it, it's still brand new. I mean, we all kind of get that way with with things when they're new. Like we we don't want to stop. We want to do it, you know, all the time. Uh, I think I think that's yeah. just kind of a human nature thing. So I, I would feel like over time there would be the, the desire would probably still be there. But maybe not as strong as it is in these moments. Yeah. So I, I, I do want to talk because I think you and I have a disagreement about the, the amount of time that's passed. Yeah, um, and even looking at the notes, I think you are uh, more correct on this than me. Yeah. But let's go well, ahead and talk about it. Real let, quick. let me say this: I, I was thinking um, the same thing you were that the reason that Egwene had stopped dreaming of Rand was because that's when he went into the portal stone. Yeah. But given the the time markers that were given, to me, that just doesn't add up. Because here in these scenes, it's it, it seems to be early autumn. There, there's a mention of, you know, for autumn's first chill, and when they, in the next chapter, when they do go into the ogre grove, like the description of the trees do make it seem like it's early you know, late summer, early autumn, uh, can kind of combine that with what we know about Rand and, you know, Varen said it had been four months since they went to the portal stone. Now when they get to Tolman head, it's late autumn. So to me, they just, there's not enough time in there for that to be the only reason that Egwene stopped dreaming of Rand. Because when I read, well, when I, I read months, you know, I, I'm thinking at this point, maybe at most it could have been a month since they went into the portal stone. Because uh, when I, I read months, I'm thinking it's been like two or three or maybe even longer than that since she had a dream like that. So I just, I feel like there's got to yeah. be something else that's changing, that's so, kept her from dreaming of him in that way. And I think uh, hearing you say it out has... Uh, Reminded me of where I goofed. Uh, and so we are both right and both wrong at the same time here. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's here's the thing. So uh, we get a reference here for Egwene. Uh, they have been at the tower for a little bit of time now. Yeah. Um, it has only been uh, about four to five weeks since she stopped having dreams of Rand. Uh, where I messed up is, in my mind, for some reason, I was thinking that the events that were in this chapter were taking place at the same time as the yeah. events in the last chapter, and they are not. Uh, when uh, they the, the events that are happening in 38 are happening considerably earlier than when they show up on Toman Head. Right. So at this point... Uh, in the timeline, I think what we're seeing here in chapter 38 is that they have been gone in the portal stones 
for about four to five weeks right now. But they are still going to be gone for a considerable amount of time while the events that are happening in chapter 38 and 39 are taking right. place. But but at this moment, Egwene says it has been months, plural, not not a month and a week, not 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 a few weeks, but she says months, which to me says at least okay. two months, at least, you know, eight or nine, seven, eight, nine weeks since she stopped stopped having dreams of Rand. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's it's not I guess it's not a huge thing. It just you know, I, I want to think that we're meant to think that the portal stone is the reason that she stopped dreaming. But I'm just thinking that some of the timestamps don't line up for that to be the case. Okay. And it could, I mean, you know, not to discredit the, the, the author or anything, it could just be like a, a mistake in, in the math or something like that. Uh, and again, I guess it depends on, you know, when is early autumn, right? When is when is late autumn? When do these things fall into place? So, uh, you know, there's there's the possibility there, but there's there's just some some questions I have about that. At the end of the day, uh, Egwene has stopped dreaming of Rand, and she does mention it's almost as if he's you know disappeared from the world, which I guess in a sense he has. Um. Yeah. But I feel like those dreams have, or the lack of dreams have been going on a little bit longer than that. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's my take on it. Um, and, you know, who knows? Uh, it could go some, a different way. Um, let's talk about Elaine's big news. Okay. Uh, there's, yeah. Uh, there's, there's war in Kyrian, which I think we already kind of knew. <laughs> yeah, we knew there was at least some really bad rioting. But we didn't know how bad it was going to be. Right. Uh, you know, in last week's, I think it was last week's episode, uh, we found out that Barthanus was dead. Uh, very brutally killed. And now we find out that the king of Kyrian is also dead. And my question is, is, well, last week I, I asked who killed Barthanus and why. Now I want to know who killed Galdrian and why. Yeah. <laughs> and, Do we think and, it was the same person, maybe? And, and, and did they happen at the same time? Yeah. Like, was there, you know, was this something that happened simultaneously? Was there something else going on? You know, there's just so many questions there about... You know how this is all playing out. Apparently, things are not good in Kyrian, though. Uh, yeah. So I think we got out of there just in time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it definitely, definitely is not going well for the people of Kyrian. Yeah. Uh, which that's also another indicator of the timeline here. Now that I think about it, because the events that we saw at the end. Uh, so we're looking at probably. It's taken some time for the truth of what's happened in Kyrian to reach the White Tower. Yeah. So we're looking at it probably having been at least a few weeks since the scene we saw with Tom. So it Which, can't have been too long yeah, since they actually went into the Portal Stone. And say so that would have been kind of simultaneous, you know, within a few days of them going into the Portal Stone. Because it didn't take them that yeah. long to travel to the Steading, did it? Just a couple of days? Something like that? No. Yeah. So you're completely right about yeah. her dream... Not saying Rand having nothing to do with the Portal Stone, really. 
Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, so, yeah, I was wrong on that. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like I said, I think. I, I think it was meant to be read that way. Um, but again, yeah. just some of the some of the stuff doesn't line up. Okay. Um, looks like we're going on another adventure. Yeah, with uh, not Moraine this time. Yeah. Uh, All right. The last time we heard of Leandrin was when we found out she had split, right? Yep. When they were leaving uh, Shinar, heading to Tarvalin, and then all of a sudden Moraine, Varen, and Leandrin are gone. We know where Moraine went. We know well, we know at least the first place that Moraine went, or one place that Moraine went. We know where Varen went. Yeah. We never find out where Leandrin went, did we? Nope. And now all of a sudden she's here, uncharacteristically summoning, not not summoning novices or accept it to herself, but coming to the novices' quarters. Yeah, which is something uh, that the I said I don't do. Right. So, <laughs> and and openly. Unless you're Shirion openly uh, admitting that the Black Aja is around. Yeah, doesn't she have kind of a history of doing this? She played the same card with uh, Amelise in, uh, not Amelise, but uh, the sister, uh, might have been Amelise. Amelisa, I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. she played the same card, threatening and scaring her with the Black Aja, and she's doing the same thing again here. She's using the Black Aja to scare the girls into not asking questions or going to anybody else. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does make for a convenient boogeyman. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I mean, that could be that could be all it is, is she's just using the Black Aja kind of as a boogeyman. Uh, I don't think that would yeah. be completely out of the realm of possibility, but she's act, she's certainly uh, there's definitely something she's she's trying to hide or some secrets that she's trying to keep. Uh, all of this yeah. is you know undercover. Uh, the 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 thing that happens is she tells Nynaeve and Egwene and unbeknownst to her Elaine and Men as well. That the uh, the boys from Emmons Field are in danger, and they might be able to do something about it. Yeah, and yeah. so meet her in the Ogier Grove, and we're going to go to Toman Head and do something about it. Yeah, and and she <laughs> she lays it on a little extra thick by like bringing Moraine into it, by like saying like that, basically giving the girls the impression that her and Moraine are working together, and Moraine sent her. To do this, well, I mean, they they did disappear at the same time, so <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know that that's that's kind of that's questionable though because I'm I'm kind of with the the girls on that. I'm kind of surprised of Leandrin and Moraine working together. Yeah, blue uh, and a red. I, I think yeah, I think I'd be weird. surprised of any blue and red working together. Um, yeah, but who knows? Uh, you know. Desperation makes strange bedfellows. So, yeah. you know, who knows what, whatever Which the situation is. is. Pretty, I think that's pretty much the, the conclusion that Nynaeve comes to is like, you know, this must be pretty, you know, we should be able to trust her. If Moraine can trust her and work with her, then we should be able to do the same. That, you know, is basically their general consensus towards the end of this chapter. 
Yeah. So I guess we need to talk briefly about men. And she, yeah. she we do kind of get a little bit of very vague additions to her visions in this chapter. Um, she tells, um, I think she tw- tells Egwene, Nynaeve, and men that they're all in some kind of danger or will be very soon is what I wrote down. Uh, she can't say yeah. anything more than that, but she knows that there's danger ahead. And then when they come back and they're talking, she mentions that she and Elaine are both linked to the Emmonsfield boys just as much as Egwene and Nynaeve. Uh, and that it must yeah. be some part of the pattern. So we get a little bit of, you know, a little bit more out of men. Um, not really a lot of detail, but that is interesting that those two uh, are just as linked as the 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 women from Emmonsfield. Yeah. Uh, which I think you had mentioned something about that in, in an earlier note that, you know, it seems, you know, at first we maybe thought she was just going to be a passing character that has this weird vision. We're not going to see her all that much. Um, then she shows up in the White Tower, and now she's setting out with the others, apparently to save Rand and the and and the other boys. Yeah. So, which I guess that kind of that can lead us into our next chapter if you think we're ready for that. I think we, yeah, we need to head into the ne- that chapter. Yes. All right, so chapter 39, Flight from the White Tower. Doing all they can to avoid detection, Egwene, Nynaeve, Elaine, and men make their way out of the tower and into the city of Tarvalon. Reaching the Ogier Grove, Leandrin is at first upset that Elaine and men have tagged along, but suggests it may be just as well. Together, the five women enter the ways and journey a couple of days in the oppressive darkness to reach Toman Head. So there's not a tremendous amount in this chapter, but there is a lot happening. Yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward. Uh, I mean, it's a it, it's it's travel, you know, a couple of days in the ways, yeah. uh, and all of that. Um, is there anything before we get? to the Ogier Grove that needs to be mentioned. I, I mean, most of that first scene is just them, you know, making their way through the tower in the city, kind of occasionally dodging a Aes Sedai or another accepted, um, yeah. realizing that Leandrin has uh, kind of set everything up with the stable man. Yeah, I don't guess yeah. there's a whole lot there. Um, I, I did find interesting our, our first... I guess our first real look at an Ogier Grove. Isn't this the first time we've really I, seen a grove? Yes. There is one thing I want to get before that that just occurred to me, though. Okay. Uh, Timing-wise. So there was one interesting exchange that happens uh, with the stable guy. Um, so, where is it at? Ah, okay. Okay. Uh, when Nynaeve starts threatening the groom... And showing off her ring, and then she uses she uses Leandrin's name. Uh, it kind of throws the the groom off. It's interesting. They make he makes a point here uh, when Nynaeve is you know berating the guy. Uh, the groom mouthed Leandrin's name, but took one le- one look at Nynaeve's face and saw to the horses 
with no more than a mutter or two. To me, that makes me think that the groom here was following orders, but he didn't know whose orders they were. Oh, okay. Hmm. I think Nynaeve gave away Leandrin's name here, and the groom was like, now he knows the name to go with the person that was giving him orders that okay. he didn't before is what I got from this. Interesting. I think the thing yeah. I took most out of that section was Nynaeve pretending to be a, a, an Aes Sedai. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, yeah. I'm, you know, probably could get her in some serious trouble. I'm if pretty anybody sure found that out can get you like, expelled from the tower. Yeah, and, like, yeah that's... Um, Not a small thing. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it was the only strategy that they could think of. They didn't expect that there would already be preparations made. Um, yeah, and so at this point, they are still thinking it's going to be a long journey because Nynaeve was like, we have to pack this and that oh, yeah. and get the preserves. And, you know, they're thinking they're going to be, like, going over land yeah. on these horses and everything like that. And... uh don't even put two and two together that they're headed to an ogier grove. Right. And and what do we find in an ogier grove? Uh, well, first we find Leandrin, who yep. was was thrown a little bit by there being two additional uh, travelers. But, you know, I eventually seem to think that, well, uh, it's going to be the, it's going to be the way that it is. Um, she even mentions that she had made arrangements for Elaine and men to be taken care of. Yeah. Um, what exactly does that mean? That's a good <laughs> question. I mean, she she suggests that it was, you know, she, she was thinking about their protection because she knew that as soon as it was clear that Egwene and Nynaeve were gone, well, who are their best friends in the tower? The Black Aja yeah. is probably going to come for them. So that's what she yep. says is, is is happening. That she she I guess she had plans for their protection, something to keep them safe yeah. from the Black Aja. Um, yeah, it's just said in such an ominous tone. It was. <laughs> it was right. You know, it's like take take care of them. Uh, what what's going on here? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Definitely. But you know, I've noticed. That um, Leandrin has a very different way of speaking. Yeah, she does. She her 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 speech pattern is is very strange, and just some of the phrases that she uses are a, a little weird. Um, yeah. So, so I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm sure we'll find out more as yeah. we go forward. Um. But the rest of the chapter is pretty much spent uh, in the ways. Yeah. Which, hey, think the light. Um, the black wind is chasing down Rand, so uh, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. So we don't have to worry yeah. about that. But even even Leandrin says that if if, if it comes, I'll take care of it. Um, and, yeah. and I found this was something else that she said that I found interesting was, uh, you know, it's, it's mentioned what Moraine had said about the Black Wind and Leandrin, I guess, kind of to herself, you know, Moraine doesn't know as much as she thinks she does. Yeah. So. Uh, There's some animosity between them. Well, for sure. yeah, for sure. 
But apparently Leandrin thinks she can take care of the Black Wind, but thankfully there's no need. Um, yeah. And I guess the other that thing does... is how they get through the ways. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, previously and even in our most recent attempt to go into the ways, you know, we needed Loyal there uh, to act as a guide because he could read the guidepost, but uh, we don't have an Ogier this time. Nope. What do we have? We have a random piece of parchment held by Leandrin. That she won't let anybody else see. Right. Right. So my, my thinking was that, you know, on the surface, you know, I guess the, the most logical conclusion would be that it's it's some kind of guide to, like, reading the, the, the Ogier script and, and navigating the way through the ways. But then why keep it secret? Yeah. Right. Why uh, why keep it uh, hidden from everybody else? There's got to be something. You know what? I'm really starting not to trust Leandrin. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably smart. You know, for that to be the case. There, there's just and and maybe it's just because she's red and obviously, you know, there's that there was that whole thing earlier about, you know this kind of little competition between the reds and the blues, you know, Moraine had brought in Nynaeve and Egwene, who were potentially two of the most powerful Aes Sedai that the world has seen in centuries, maybe even millennia. And then, you know, of course, Elida brings in Elaine. So there's, it's kind of two to one for the blues right now. Um, yeah. So maybe, Egwene, maybe Landrin is just, you know, she's just still kind of, you know, in a tiff about that. Uh, but I don't know. She's she's definitely doing some stuff that uh, is a little shady, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, just real quickly, uh, I guess it's, it's worth mentioning here as, as we get ready to close that there is... Um, Egwene does have some dreams, or at least a dream, while they're in the ways, and that is she does see Baalzaman uh, unmasked, and laughing at her. Now, I don't think she knows who it is, but we do. Uh, she yeah. sees a man with flaming eyes. Uh, we know exactly who that is. Uh, don't know what it means right now, but thought it was just yeah. worth mentioning. Yeah, there's one other thing I did want to mention. Um, so, Egwene is having a lot of inner thoughts as they're traveling about, and one of those is to do with the ways and the taint. Uh, she comes to the conclusion that while she, she, you know, she thought that because the ways were made with Sidar and everything, that perhaps when she got into the way, she wouldn't be able to touch. I mean, the ways were made with Sidine and she wouldn't be able to touch Sidar. Yeah. But she senses that she could, but she also has the innate feeling that if she did, it would be like, the exact wording here is important. Um, ah, okay. She had thought the shadow's taint on the ways would hide it from her. She could sense that taint after a fashion. It was faint and had nothing to do with Sidar, but she was sure that reaching for the true source here would be like bearing her arm to foul, greasy smoke in order to reach a clean cup. So, 
that's almost exactly like how Rand describes trying to channel. Yeah. It's having to reach through that greasy filth. So it's interesting that the taint has become so strong in the ways that it would interfere even with a female reaching hmm. the source here. Even though the female half of the source is not on its own tainted, using it here would be to come in contact with that taint. So, in theory, if a female channeler spent enough time here channeling, the same madness and effects that hit the men would take hold in them as well. Interesting. Yeah. And, so and it the almost... taint is come to life here, basically. Yeah. I mean, it makes me wonder, too, if, you know, what would happen if, if she left the ways? Would, would that still cling to her? Or, you know, if, if she were there for long enough, right? Obviously, a couple of days. Yeah. I, I hope we don't have anything to worry about. And she doesn't channel during that time either, so. Uh, yeah, Leandrin puts a stop to any thoughts of that really quick. Right. <laughs> um, but the idea of someone you know, being affected in that way and maybe even getting out of the ways, but still having, having some semblance of the taint on them. That's a scary thought. So Machin Shin is not the only danger in the ways. It seems there are yeah. some other uh, very frightening things as well. But uh, thankfully, thankfully, we don't have to deal with any of those directly on this trip through the ways. Yeah. Um. I'm still holding out hope that the waves ways might somehow be able to be cleansed. I mean, we'll see. I'm holding on to Never that. I, I have this thought that, <laughs> that, that it it might be possible, and it could happen, but I don't know. Um, other than that, uh, no white cloaks in this episode. No, um, and only a mention of the Sean Chan. Only, only mention, and even then, it was, you know. It was in another world. It was in another life. So, <laughs> yeah. Technically, no but Sean Chan. Interesting. Technically, no Sean Chan in this episode either. <laughs> yeah, technically not. On a uh, technicality. Yes. Uh, yeah. Any other final thoughts from you? No, those are gonna. That's gonna be it for me. Okay. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up for me too. Uh, just, uh, you know, we're finally at the end of this chapter. Our girls and our guys are all back. In the same area on Tomon Head. Oh yeah, so, I don't. I don't think I realized that, but that is true, isn't it? They're we're well. Yeah. Yeah, they're I still guess separated by time. Yeah, there's st still still they, a little bit of time before the uh, the fellows get there. Um, yeah. And where's Moraine? We haven't seen yeah. her in a while. What's she off doing? Yeah. Uh, who knows? And and I still want to know where Tom went too. What's he up to? Yeah. Uh, so many questions and not a whole lot yeah. of time left to answer them, but we got a little bit of time left. We still got a few weeks left uh, until we finish this book. So uh, things yeah. are about to get really good. I think. I think so. All right. You guys will have to make sure to be here next week. That's right. <laughs> uh, got some good things coming up down the pipeline, uh, but that's it for this week. Uh, thank you for joining us. As we always say, we're so glad to have you and uh, hope that uh, you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy uh, recording and reading and discussing these things. Uh, just a reminder is that new episodes are going to be released every Tuesday and we would love it if you would subscribe, 
uh, wherever you can find us. Uh, should be on most uh, podcast platforms that you could find us. Uh, also, if you would, leave us a rating and a review uh, so that we can, uh, you know, get higher up in the, in, the, in the charts and in the running so that, you know, more people can see us and find out what we're doing. Uh, if you if you do that, we could also love to have you on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, you can email us, and addresses for all of those are in the show notes. And if you come over there and, and, and give us a, a follow or a like or, or whatever it is, um, you know, say hi. Talk to us. Let us know uh, what you think and uh, how things are going. Ask any questions that you might have. We have a Q&A episode coming up uh, later uh, in this season, towards the end of the season, and uh, we'd be happy to have your questions, so give those to us as well. Uh, Stephen, what are we talking about next week? Uh, so next week, we will be covering chapters 40 through 42. All right. So listeners, if you uh, uh, want to not be spoiled on anything and listen to the conversation, read those chapters in the next week, and uh, we'll discuss them next time that we get together. Uh, Other than that, hope that you guys have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. See you, folks.